It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. On Friday, Donald Trump signed an executive order that suspends the refugee admissions program for 120 days and refugees from Syria indefinitely. It also suspends entry into the United States from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen for 90 days. This is Sarah, and I'm a progressive. This is Beth, and I'm a conservative. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. So we are here with a special episode of Pantsu Politics. We're not quite on a double date, but we have two guests. But I thought before we introduced our guest, do you want to talk about our new opening? Yeah, I was texting Sarah over the weekend while I was at home for a family funeral, and I was trying to kind of process everything happening there as well as all of the news. And I just am not identifying with the Republican Party at this point. I'm very excited about Evan McMullen and Stand Up Republic and some good conservative work that's being done. But especially as I read a New York Times piece about how excited a lot of Trump supporters are about what's happening in the first days of his administration, I just thought the right doesn't feel right to me Mm. at this point. 
the right doesn't feel right to me. I like that. So we are here in person. We're very excited about that. Nice. Even if it is sort, <laughs> sort of for a sad reason that we're in the same room because Beth is traveling for a family funeral. But we are, uh, me and my husband, Nicholas, who's here, our executive producer. Hello. <laughs> we are staying with my beloved friend Annie, which you guys all know because I talk about Annie a lot and post about Annie a lot. And we are in Annie's home. And Chad wasn't able to join. Right. He's taking care of our children. Thank you, Chad. So mm-hmm. Annie's here playing Chad. Hey. On the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> so we are here. We are just going to do a special roundtable episode um, without our usual structure because, truthfully, I'm not up for structure. I'm more in a pound my head against the table sort of. That was my head hitting the table. Sort of moon in the in the face of this Muslim ban. I am struggling. I'm struggling. So we're going to have people who instantly react to Muslim ban. Right. Right. We've had that happen on Twitter already. And and I understand that people want to be precise about this. So at the top of the episode, we tried to be precise about it. There Mm -hmm. is a a temporary ban, although I would be shocked were it not renewed at some. This is my question. Whenever I hear this phrase, temporary ban, until we figure out what's going on. Like, when's that going to be? Like, mm-hmm. are you going to figure out the Middle East? <laughs> yeah, what is going on? <laughs> what, what is go, what, when you say when we're trying to figure out what is going on, What what is that? Is there a specific incident you're concerned with? What do you, what, what is the what is going on? I don't know. Well, that's when I think about, so I love Simon Sinek. I'm kind of a Simon Sinek geek. Do you know the golden circle that Simon oh, yeah, Sinek yeah, yeah, yeah. does? So it's like you picture a big circle that says why on it, and that's the core, right? And then you do what and how around that, concentric circles. I don't get the why of this executive order other than messaging and I'm really concerned about the actual impact of the messaging, mm-hmm. especially for our folks who are in Mosul right now, yeah. like actually trying to fight ISIS. Where were you guys when you found out about the executive order? Um, I was out running errands with my son this morning, and I actually saw your post mm. um, on it. And at first I couldn't tell if, it was real news or if it was like if it had actually already happened I couldn't tell and then I saw the art the article that you had linked to um, and it was I was in disbelief yeah I mean I, I thought like well they've been saying for a while he's got this or it, it was leaked on like Tuesday or Wednesday it's coming it's coming it's coming and then yesterday he signed it and I guess I just thought it would be I didn't expect the utter chaos I woke up to this morning. Nicholas, you've been at the, the um, feeling the brunt of my emotions today. <laughs> yeah, we had a long car drive, and there was lots of near tears and, and frustration. I think Beth hit it on the head that this is it's messaging. It's also, I think, the way he intends to govern for the first little while here before he can convince Congress to do his bidding. It's just to say he's told people this is what we're going to do, and this is why you elected me, and he firmly believes that. And so... Let's do what we can do, which is issue some executive orders and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, I, I'm not saying anything new, I don't think, but I really think that's the, the brunt of it. I mean, you look at what Kellyanne Conway said today and has been saying, which is, I love a president who says says what he's going to do and does what he says he's going to do, you know? And that's kind of where we are with him right now. And I think he, it, it all seems a little ham-fisted, like I told you today. It all seems just sort of tossed together and, you know, 
here it is, let's serve it up, and, and not a lot of thought put into the real repercussions that it has on people's lives, on, on our, our relationships with other countries, on the reality of you know foreign relations, which is that we're not the only sovereign country in the world. Other mm-hmm. countries get to decide what they do in their borders, too, and it's not always going to be pretty for Americans. Well, I, I was telling Nicholas, like, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but it was only a few months ago that I thought, oh, when you're a refugee, no one is watching out for you. Like, our entire global system is built on sovereign nations and them protecting your rights as a human being, and when you're a refugee, no, you're just a burden to everyone and nobody wants to stick up for you. And it, it like, kind of hit me for the first time, and I'm embarrassed that I got to 35 without fully emotionally taking on, like, what would I do if no one was looking out for me and my kids? What would I do? And like, you, you just feel, you're like, well, I would stop it and I would do whatever it took for my kids, but you would be so powerless. They said there was a family today that was on a plane and they had to come get them off. And I think about those moments in my life where I've had to explain something really hard to my kids and what would, how would you say that? How would you say, I told you we were going to go to America and we were going to be safe and now we're not and I can't fathom it I cannot wrap my head around it well the idea that this is I I heard a quote in the car on the way here I think it was from Lindsey Graham saying look it's not unreasonable to hit pause but that's misleading because these people have already been vetted they've Mm -hmm. been waiting this isn't just oh hang out for a second it's they've they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and now they're finally like literally on a plane and we're telling them no again and I don't know what this means Mm -hmm. for them and not in just not just in terms of the ham-handedness, not just within the international context, but here the interagency coordination. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it is just chaos, and I feel like your organization around something should be proportional to the controversy it's going to cause, right? Like if you're going to do something this controversial, you should do it really well and <laughs> show that it's been very. Say thoughtful. what you really called it when you're going to be a fascist. <laughs> be do an it well. Excellent fascist. Yeah. Like be the best. Be a tremendous fashionist. Oh, man. And, and I, that's, you know, <laughs> obviously I said that in jest. That's not my most nuanced remark. But, I mean, I think that it's important to, like, just step back and say, like, where are the lawyers? I mean, that's something that the news kept reporting while I was driving. Nobody knows who's even writing these executive orders or yeah. who's reviewed them. Yeah. Well, they're, and they're, they're supposed to take months. You're supposed to go through the State Department, and you're supposed to go through all the lawyers. And, I mean, on its face, it seems obvious to me that this law is a violation of the constitution and definitely of the law we have that prevents singling people out based on their nation of origin because spoiler alert we've done this before it was super racist and turned out really bad and people died and like i don't know why we want to go back and pretend that singling people out based on the country they were born in ends well it's so depressed i told nicholas i was like i don't know if I'm encouraged by the fact that we keep trying to do this thing over and over again and it doesn't work or but that we cycle back through and try to, like we've done with Catholics and Jews and I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse. Probably both. Well, if I get back to that question of why. So, like, I do not live in daily fear of terrorism right now and I'm not receiving intelligence briefings that makes me think. (laughs) 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 I don't feel some imminent threat that makes me think extraordinary action is needed this very second, right? If you're a person who thinks that, though, I'll, I'll take that on faith and respect it. So then if you get to sort of the what and the how, I do think our immigration system needs to be reformed. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's a job for Congress. It's a job that Congress has said it's ready to do. So why not take a breath, get your cabinet seated, mm-hmm. and then start to work through that process? Well, you had a good ratio in mind. No more. No. Yes, you should have. You, you should have more cabinet officials appointed, like confirmed, than you have executive orders on the books. Which is not where we're at right now. No, we're very lopsided. We have four cabinet officials and 14 executive orders. Wow. I'd say to go back to one of the earlier points is, is who's reading these things and what lawyers are vetting these things. I mean, three of the four of us sitting here are trained as lawyers. Um, Annie was smarter than the rest <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, it, it's... It's one of these things where you kind of want to see if it passes the smell test. And the truth is, there's not, to my knowledge, none of the countries listed in, I think this was a point someone made in the news, none of the countries listed in the executive order are the origin of any any terrorist, terrorist international, attack. You know, international terrorist in United States soil. Period, full stop. Hmm. The ones who have committed. Not on the list. Those, not on the list, you know. Our country sees business interest in, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody was like, it's a Venn diagram. So it's not a Venn diagram. It's just two circles next to each other. There's no overlap. That's not a Venn diagram. That's just two circles. Well, I told the I told the new mayor of our town, I said, like, I feel you and I are being so much more careful about. We have not introduced any city ordinances because we want to learn what we don't know. And we are being so careful. We are being more careful about our city ordinances than he is about executive orders. That's almost what this is, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. uh, it's a, hey, everybody who thinks I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. I don't have to know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it. I mean, I guess because I've been in my hometown, the expression all hat and no cattle keeps coming to mind for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think where I get back to this is it's not even just for me. The refugees, that situation is so heartbreaking. I think that's what I focused on on Friday. And then today when I woke up to all the stories of people with green cars, permanent residents, people who have businesses here, people who teach, people who are researchers, people whose children are here, and they've gone home for a funeral or for travel or for work, and they can't get back to their families. Like, that part was when I woke up this morning and I read, there was like the Twitter moment I posted on our Twitter feed, and I was like... Wait, what? Like, I didn't even... I mean, of course I hadn't comprehended this. This is not something that I deal with. I don't deal with our broken immigration system and the fact that this guy with a stroke of a pen can disrupt all these families and separate all these people. And it was just... I I couldn't shake it all day long. I just felt like I was, like, going through the motions when what I really wanted to scream was, like, what's going on? What are we doing about this? And I think that's why it's misleading to talk about this as being temporary, so no worries. It's already a terrible system. It's already a broken system where people are really struggling to get through it. And then all of a sudden, this major shift in policy without any inkling of where that policy is going next, without any sign off from Congress, without any lead time. So from a business perspective, there is no stability. That's why you've got tech executives now saying to people, Pulling. don't travel. If and Google's you, pulled all their you know, employees, apparently. That's what I read, too. It's yeah, a problem. It is a huge, and it's. Mm. And listen, Justin Trudeau isn't just being some humanitarian by going out on Twitter and saying "Welcome to Canada." Yeah, he's saying Canada's open for business, business genius minds of the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like researchers, I was reading about a, an I think it was an Iranian, um, cardiovascular, researcher that they had like 
was going to Yale or Boston, and they were so excited he was coming, and the and they were like, he can't come now. He was go he could have saved lives. He could have like who knows what could have happened from this research, and now he can't get here. Mm -hmm. It's just so upsetting. So for people like me who have not been to law school, is there can you guys say something about executive order that would help us to understand? Because my comfort um, when I found out that Trump had been elected was, well, he is not the one making the laws, right? In theory. Have, in theory, right. You know, I have representatives who I can talk to about what concerns me. I don't have to worry about um, about his influence in that way. And then here we are, and it is unsettling. Mm -hmm. So what, what exactly, I mean, obviously an executive order is something the president can sign, and then it's what, instant law? Yep, I mean, it was instant. Uh, I mean, that was instant It's law. not law, but it's instant policy. Precisely. I instant mean, it, policy. It's, he's instructing the persons over whom he has power, which is the executive branch of government, who mm -hmm. enforce the laws, what to do. Mm. And this is how you should interpret the law, this is how you should enforce the law, and so, for example, to go back to the previous administration with what Obama did with the with DACA or the Dreamers, the, the kids who are Dreamers, was basically said, ICE, you are not to enforce our immigration laws against a certain subclasses of people, okay? Mm -hmm. So what Trump is doing is saying to the organizations who do immigration, naturalization, INA, and that gang, is saying, this is how you should enforce the law as regards these countries. And so it, it's sort of, I guess, could be overcome by the action of Congress, a very specific act of Congress, to say, no, that's not how we do that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think there's some very good arguments that Congress has already done so. Yeah. Like, this is actually in direct line. Well, we talked about that in the car. I'm not sure how long, I don't know if a judge could say immediately, you know, halt this, there is a, you can't take another step right, until we figure out if it's legal or not. Mm -hmm. It's not legal. That's what I was going to ask. Is it legal just by virtue of having the president's signature on it? Mm -mm. No, I mean, it's not going to trump it. It's not going to be, it would not have the force of law if, if it is found to be in violation of that. And I can't remember the name of the immigration law. It's like from like 1964. It's been around a long time. They're not going to be able to argue that, no, that's not what we meant and what we've been meaning for the last 50 years, mm. um, then they're, they're arguing that it's not discriminatory. Like, they're arguing that this is not, the way they're enforcing this is not discriminatory, it's not discriminating based on religion, it's not discriminating based on national, I don't understand how they're even arguing the nation, nation of origin stuff. When you have a list, I was gonna say. I'm intrigued by that, but, um, and I read today that somebody was making the argument that if it violates the law, the only way he can, can they can continue to enforce it if, is if Congress changes the law. If Congress doesn't change the law, then he he signed an executive order that's in violation of the law, which is an impeachable offense. I don't know if that's accurate or not. My main takeaway from law school of all of it was that laws are only as good as the way they're enforced. Mm -hmm. And I think we are setting ourselves up for such a massive showdown over separation of powers with this administration because say somebody goes to court and tries to get an injunction against this ban being enforced right i can see the trump administration saying 
Yeah, I'm not gonna blink I'm gonna on do this. It. I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, what happens what? if he doesn't follow court orders? I don't know. What happens? Because let me tell y'all, it's all a little fragile. Mm-hmm. It's all because we've agreed to do it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's right. Well, doesn't that some to some degree come to the to the uh, main question here? And the question I think is kind of elephant in the room, which is, what is his party plan to do? Mm. And are any of them going to show any spine? Mm-hmm. And is impeachment a realistic thing? Obviously not today, but is it ever a realistic thing? Are we looking at a, a situation where you're going to have to see a complete shift in the legislative uh, control in order mm-hmm. to actually have enforcement? I mean, I have to believe that there are enough egos in, in Congress that at some point someone is going to really honestly stand up and not just tweet. But you know, it's, it begs the question of, or not only begs the question because that's the wrong phrase, but it does certainly raise the question of, who is who's gonna who's gonna put on their big boy pants and, and or girl on that side? Yeah. Well, and I I mean I was a little bit encouraged when that first did you did you see the leaked audio of the ACA conversation in Philly at their their Republican retreat? They leaked the audio and all the Republicans are like, "What's our plan? We don't have a plan. What's going on?" And at first I was like, mm, "Let me pop the popcorn and watch them all fight with each other," which I know it's not nuanced. Don't send me an email, but. At, but then when I started totally reading, getting totally getting emails. Totally getting emails. But then there was an email. Then, then I thought, like, you know what, though? This makes me feel better. It makes me feel like, okay, you weren't so craving. You are concerned about these things. This isn't just, you are like, no, but how are these going to impact people? It made me feel a little bit better. And I should hope that they're out of however many Congress, in particular Republican congressmen there are, um, that somebody is saying, and they are. I mean, I think John McCain is somebody we, we were lovingly attached to these days um, who's already come out and said that he would oppose any executive orders um, instructing the Department of Defense to use torture which is another another fun discussion and I hope I hope that there's somebody I hope there are true patriots that will say no it's enough you have to follow the law because the law like you said it's like the you know what if he just says no I want to follow your court injunction I'm going to do what I want. But we were listening, our, Nick, or Nicholas and I were listening to This American Life, and it was really interesting. They had interviewed some people in the um, bureaucrats and the DOE and the EPA, and they were calling it the dark arts. Like, he's not going to be standing at the customs agent's booths in the airline. Like, you know, or he doesn't, ha- you can't just snap a finger and get the information you need to enforce these laws. Like, there are infinite ways in the bureaucracy to be slowed down or, you know, sort of things put in your path. I did enjoy quite immensely that they called it the dark arts. Mm-hmm. But, like, so, I mean, it's not, there are things, but, like, I don't want to depend on some poor bureaucrat doing what they can. Well, and to your earlier point, this all works because we say it does. Mm-hmm. So it's as amusing as it's been to see all these rogue Twitter accounts from the bureaucracy. That's also terrifying, too. Yep. That's not good. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is not stable no. in any way. What did you say? Some, Jeb, Jeb Bush called him the chaos president. Somebody said Jeb Bush was right. Yeah, there was, I think there was mm-hmm. on Jezebel. There was an article that said, you know, Jeb Bush got one thing right, which is... It's chaos. Yeah. Trump was going to be a chaos candidate. And I mean, this was from one of their earlier debates before Bush dropped out. He said, all Trump is is a chaos candidate. And if he's elected president, he's going to become a chaos president. And how right is that? (laughs) And it's just, you know, what I really kept upsetting me today as I kept thinking about it and thinking about it is 
when I hear you know the whole entire justification for this executive order written into the executive order is you know we're just all it's all about terrorism and we're all under threat and and I just feel like there's this undercurrent of I'm supposed to what tell my child that we're turning people away who could most certainly be killed because we're trying to protect ourselves or him and it just leads me down this really dark path of like whose child is more valuable like whose child's life matters more and whose child what what's our ultimate goal here if it's to is it to keep ourselves safe at all cost is did we do that and have we done that in other places in history that we're proud of that we kept ourselves did we keep ourselves safe was it worth it was it worth the cost to other people that maybe aren't american citizens and it's just like i couldn't I can't see my way out of it and I have so much trouble even seeing somebody else's side and thinking like that this is a good thing and that turning these people whose entire lives are lost and homes are lost away, I just, I can't. So every time Donald Trump says, we either have a country or we don't, like I always think, for what? Mm-hmm. Right? What If we have all these borders, um, which means something, yeah. they're not meaningless, but... What is that promise about? And so being in my hometown, which is sort of like all the stereotypes that people impose on the average Trump voter, right? Um, I was thinking about the people there, and it's one of the most kind and welcoming places you could possibly be, right? Like we make grief this extended process <laughs> where everybody comes, and everybody comes with food. And, every, and, and so I was sitting there thinking about all of this from time to time and feeling like I can't reconcile these actions with our country's history in any way. I can't reconcile them with my personal faith or the way that faith is expressed around me in any way. And I can't reconcile them culturally in the place that is the epicenter mm-hmm. Of the Trump voter culture. Yeah. So what is this? That's, yeah. I don't know. I don't either. And I, you, you were saying that Louisville is a big refugee resettlement place, right? It is, yeah. Since the, you know, um, rumors started coming out, there were more articles about that. And um, it's, it's kind of a hub for refugees from particular parts of the world. Um, we have several local nonprofits built totally around building the new lives that people are coming for so yeah I mean I just that's the thing it's like exactly like what 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 are we protecting what is the goal what are our values as a country as a nation and I'm not under any illusions about the history of our country like I'm reading the Civil War and where they were about when we used to do this to Catholics because we did it to Catholics it was called the Know Nothing Party, which they proudly claim, which I'm a little intrigued by. But, um, you know, we've done this, and we do it over and over, and we pass these laws to try to prevent it. And it's just so, like, I ch- shared the Twitter account that's tweeting out the people we turned away during the Holocaust on the boat and then went back and were all murdered. And I just think, like, how can we not, how can you not see the connection? How can you not see that we're doing the same thing? There are no, There's no difference between the discrimination that we put forth towards Catholics and Jews and now Muslims. It's just, it's the same thing, only a different, same song, different tune, I guess. Well, you know, when you think about Trump's comments on torture, which is 
unreal, right, that our president is just using the word torture for As if it's, yeah, like a strategy. Yeah. I mean, cool. at, least, at, least the Bush, <laughs> at least the Bush administration, like, decided to call it enhanced interrogation. All those elaborate legal opinions telling them it was just fine to do what they were doing. Right. At least they went that far. Right? At least I mean, why? When we're all like, Dick Cheney, wasn't he great? <laughs> But the but the comments on torture and and he keeps talking about fighting fire with fire. I don't I don't want to do that. That is the Middle East, right? That's what's happened in the Middle East for centuries is fighting fire with fire. Mm-hmm. And like to what end? I just that's the thing. I can't. I understand people are nervous. I understand ISIS is scary. I understand as they are fond of saying on Morning Joe, which I watch while I'm getting ready, that he has the worst foreign policy inbox of just about any president coming into this seat. But what what is the goal here yeah. other than just keeping all that stirred up? Yeah. And to just keep, I mean, Iran has already said that they will not allow U.S. citizens inside Iran anymore. Um, and I think it's you know, wouldn't be hard to turn this into a recruiting tool if you are with ISIS to say, see, we told you, we told you, this is what, they hate us and they, you should join us because what do they have to offer to you? They turn you away even when you're a permanent resident, even when you come and you want to research and you have families here. I mean, what do they offer you? If I'm an informant or a translator in the Middle East right now, what incentive do I have to continue helping the U.S. military if mm-hmm. I think there's no possibility that I get to come? Well, the one guy trapped in eventually. Kennedy Airport was a translator for yeah. like 10 years. And I heard him, um, I was reading a quote, and he was like, I worked. I touched so many shoulders' hands, and now I have handcuffs on me. And that's why I say I'm not sure what the impact of this is in Trump's mind beyond messaging. But, like, this is really bad messaging yeah and this just goes back to what we keep saying over and over again like this is not a reality show this is not dave where we get to come in and be a regular guy and clean it all up and just blow it all up i mean i and i think like will it if we have this institutional distrust i just feel like we are playing with fire if we don't trust our institutions and we want them to change and the positive person in me thinks okay well maybe he will scare us all enough that we will say okay you know what we changed our minds like they're screwed up but we can improve them and we but I don't know the line I don't know when we've gone too far and there's nothing left to build back up and there's nothing left to say no wait we did like our institutions we take I mean there's no take backs there's no take backs like I don't this is real. This is government. This is a huge nation that holds millions of lives in its hands, and he's acting like it is a Twitter campaign. Or like everything's an emergency, and it's not. I mean, he could come in and say, okay, I'm going to be the turnaround CEO for the United States government, which would be fine if he took his time, mm-hmm. like a turnaround, a good turnaround CEO would, right? What's on fire? Let me deal with that. And now I'm going to slowly and methodically look at everything else and say, how can I make this more sustainable? That would be an excellent exercise for a business person to come in and do in the in the government to to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly understanding that there are different objectives. But this is just this is random. I mean, I, I was saying to you guys when I came in, he signed three orders while I was driving from <laughs> Western Kentucky to Louisville today. One about lobbying, one about ISIS, and one about a restructure of the Security Council. Like that, What? what's the plan here? <laughs> what's the logic in that? 
Well, that's interesting you say that because <clears throat> I was thinking of that. I felt really uneasy. You know, there's just some uneasiness. Mm-hmm. But the last time that it was this level was right around 2008, nine. Yeah. Bear collapsed. Like, like I can remember we were living in DC and like I woke up, we were living in an apartment. I got an internet and it was like Bear Stearns is gone. Like, big deal, right? And we were living with people, talking to people every day who were involved in all that tarp and everything, doing all that stuff. And people were terrified, you know. Yeah. And then before that, it's a 9/11. But those were events that were 9/11 certainly was not foreseeable in any real sense. That was a surprise. Bear Stearns was, or that whole collapse was somewhat foreseeable, but not an individual person's fault. And here we are back with that uneasiness just because he wants to do it fast. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, he wants to do it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just so ill thought out and sort of crazy making, you know. And it's, I just felt like a fraud all day. I just felt like I was walking around going to things, interacting with people, and all I wanted to do was just, like, scream, like, what's happening? Why does it, like, we need to do something. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't even know what to do. I'm just so overwhelmed and frustrated. Well, that was something that I brought up with Sarah earlier today as a, a lay person who is only very moderately informed about what's going on, um, partially as a self-care thing, just not expose myself to it too much, but my understanding was that part of the um, criticism of President Obama in his administration was the overuse of executive orders, and so I just feel very confused about these actions in the the first few days. You are not alone. (laughs) I would say that goes to a point that we made a lot during the primaries that Trump is not a conservative. Like that's just not what he is. I don't. I don't. I would wonder if he had that criticism of President Obama. Right. It seems like with Trump, it's just about the ends, not the means. And for conservatives, it's it's very much about the means. Sometimes more the means than the ends. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so something that I said a lot around President Obama's executive orders on immigration was when you hear this, like, say in your head, President Oh, I remember it. Those words haunt me, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so so now I'm trying to think, well, let me say in my head, President Sanders, right? What if Bernie Sanders, first day in office, signs an executive order and says, college is now free? Think of the chaos, right? Like, people would love that result. Some people would love that result. Think of the chaos of just sitting down, with a piece of paper and saying, I told you I would do it, by God, I'm doing it. Like, that's insane. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's the kind of destabilizing activity that's going on here. Well, I keep bringing up President Obama today because he, like, he had that list, right? He said, if you do, if you exclude people based on their religion, if you kick people, kids in this country that have been raised here, sort of DACA, and, like, Trump's clicking off his list. Where are you at, Obama. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. 
And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Pantsuit. Well, I, I think it also brings an interesting point, which is this is, this overuse of executive power has been so gradual. And, you know, when in 2000, between 2000 2008, you know, because progressives and liberals were up in arms about the executive orders that Bush signed. And, and also, Bush had a tendency also to issue executive opinions about what he thought laws meant and how they should be enforced. Mm. And that was a big point. And then Obama came in, and everybody kind of thought, well, he's going to be the transparency president. He's going to do everything by the book. And Obama got, I think you would say, just frustrated with the process and decided, well, if I can't do it the right way, quote unquote, then I'll do it my way. And so now it's like we've almost, it's almost like the frog in the, the lukewarm water and you turn on the burner, you know, it's like we've gotten to the point where now we want to jump out and it's a lot harder to, to, to get people to take notice because they're like, yeah, everybody does that. Every president does that. Yeah. You know. My dad said that to me when I said, I said something about like, you know, my dad's really big on you need to give him a chance. P.S. Universe, I'm done giving him a chance. Just want to go on the record is that um, your chances are gone. And he said, like, and I said, well, what What if nobody will support him? And he was like, well, he can just sign executive orders like Obama. And I'm like, you didn't like it when he did that. He's like, well, that works now. 
Yeah, I think it's just making me realize more and more what a tiny portion of the Republican Party I identify with, which is why, again, I'm kind of struggling right now because, like, I really meant that and meant it about George W. Bush. (laughs) I hated the drone use in the Bush administration and the Obama administration, right? Like, there are things that I can be consistent on. I'll I'll even take you back to FDR, who used more executive orders than anybody Yeah, we looked it up. He was killing it. He was killing it. 304 a year on average, right? That's too much. That (sighs) means the government... Got way too big, and that's what I think. I think we're going to see a massive expansion of the federal government under President Trump. That's the route that we're heading on, right? The executive branch does everything. Um, the Security Council is going to have more power than it ever has before. It looks like. I mean, if you mm. look at where General Flynn is in the pecking order right now, I think he's going to rebuild the military in extraordinary fashion. This is just. This is going to be a big, another big government Republican, and where. Where are the voices that say, hold up, <laughs> there are reasons this is well, not going to idea. Also, there's not going to be some um, growth, as we saw during the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, in private contractors mm-hmm. doing some of the enforcement here. And that, you know, Trump's going to think that's, that's economy growth is, is to find, you know, private contractors who can do border enforcement, private contractors mm-hmm. who can do, you know, whatever it is you know so there's you know there's always been overreach there's always been times i think when people have been scared at what government has done um i keep thinking to some degree about that picture of elian gonzalez for some reason you know you know you go back to that and that's that's that was scary for i think a lot of people is the sense like people government just knock your door in but it that at least was coming from a uh, a group that you had some history with and you weren't just doing that out of pure you know well it's just there's just so many norms that you just realize like releasing the tax returns not saying torture not saying torture like we were just we had all these norms that we were all just agreeing to and this is what kept everybody in check having press briefings taking questions not declaring the press as your opposition party and the enemy that you didn't have to talk to like and a co-parent a co-parent you hadn't heard that Uh uh-uh Kellyanne Conway described the media as a co-parent with the administration. We're going to have a co-parent the country. I need her to stop talking. Well, but before I get too far into co-parenting, I just want to say <laughs> that I don't really understand the just given the chance argument. Like, first of all, to me, that's an alarming thing to say about a president of the United States. You know, just give him a chance. Like, you can say that about a co-op. That you, <laughs> you're trying out a recipe. You're not sure Just try it out. Right, right. Or but, gym membership, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So that in itself doesn't really inspire confidence. But also, like I had told you guys earlier, I was listening to an episode of 1A this week, and uh, Joshua Johnson said uh, that Trump supporters, their argument is to give Trump a chance. What do you think? Should we give him a chance and to what extent? And my question is, or what? Like, what? What is the alternative? I don't understand I think why. So much of that has an undercurrent of give him a chance to do something different than what he said he, he was going to do. It's so true. You know, and yeah, that is it. it. It's like he told us what he's going to do, but he might not. I mean, even yeah, some of the people that. at the I think there I think it was Bailey Scarlett Johansson who spoke at the Women's March was like, it's possible he he won't defund Planned Parenthood. He said supportive things in the past. And so we should support him when he does that. But there's no evidence that he's going to do anything different than what he said mm. he's going to do. So we'll just see. And, and I think some people 
suggests that he's doing all this in an effort to show us have done it. Mm-hmm. If Congress or the courts get in his way, he can blame it on them. Yep. And then you know he's got four more years to govern in a different way or in a way that he wants to. Maybe to he can say, "I tried. I tried to keep my promises, and they wouldn't but, let me." You know, we've I've been I've been, you know fool me once. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. This will give him a chance language from people who, like me, were very concerned about President Obama's lack of experience coming into office. I mean, I heard that, right? Give him a chance because I was I was concerned that a freshman senator was now going to be in charge of our, of With our a law executive degree. branch, right? And and now President Obama looks like the most qualified person he ever does, the in office comparison. comparatively. So it's weird that that same I mean I I try to take give it a chance as be fair. Mm-hmm. Be specific, acknowledge what is okay, you know, be very specific about what's not okay. Um, but but I'll, my specific criticism right now is just the disorganization, the lack of any kind of planning, the lack of coordination among the branches. I mean, it's just, it just, I don't know how anybody looks at this and sees anything other than a mess. Well, and I will say this too. I will be nuanced and honest in the moments today where I was so upset thinking about these people, I kept thinking to myself, yeah, but did you do enough before now, Sarah? Did you write a letter to President Obama and say, let more people in? Did you, you know, send a check to organizations or do what you can? Like, it's so heartbreaking to see it all completely halt. But I also kind of want to take a responsibility as a citizen to say, we should have been doing more up until this point anyway. We shouldn't have let this humanitarian crisis get as far as it did, period. And, you know, do I think that Obama went far enough in allowing in refugees? No, I don't. And I said so on this podcast. And I, you know, but I, I still, you know, I don't think, I, t- I told my dad this, and I feel like we've sort of got at this at the last podcast. Like, I don't need or require the Democratic Party or past Democratic presidents to be perfect actors in order to criticize Donald Trump. That is not a logical requirement for me or for anybody. I don't think it should be. I don't have to agree with every single thing every Democrat has ever done in order to say I disagree with Donald Trump in this moment. I just don't. I don't think it's required. I don't think it's necessary. And I'm beginning to increasingly resent being accused of that. Well, Obama did this. Well, Clinton did that. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not them. You know, like... Well, there's unbelievable hypocrisy and terrible choices for all parties. Yeah, at there's all enough to go history. around. Shoo, mm. there's enough to go around. And, and look, in terms of the American public, we have all wanted to have it always on Syria specifically, right? We have not wanted to get involved. Mm-hmm. We have wanted that crisis to just resolve itself somehow without our leadership in terms of helping refugees or resolving the conflict on the ground. That's what the Obama administration's leadership on that was pathetic, but it was a complete representation of where the American public's opinion was about it too. Um, And so we are reaping what we've all sown together on Syria in my view. Well, and even it's not like we, we all like to read the inscription on the Statue of Liberty aloud and feel good about ourselves. But it's not really ever represented how we act as a country. It's not really, you know, all of us like the idea of welcoming people to our shores as long as it doesn't affect us. And that's a thing. It's like, I don't want to look at my kids and say, 
we want to help people as long as it's not hard, <laughs> like, or it doesn't affect us at all. Well, and I don't think anybody at this table, I don't think, is advocating for totally open borders, right? Mm-hmm. No scrutiny of people coming. I mean, we all we want to do this in a smart way, in a safe way, in an economically and ecologically viable way. There are problems with open borders, you mm-hmm. know, complete open borders. I don't. That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm ag- advocating for our Congress to sit down and look at the whole system, mm-hmm. the whole broken, backed up, bureaucratic, confusing system, and fix it. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Fix it. It's not that I don't think there is a problem to be solved here. It's that I think this is the wrong way to solve it, and I think it's solving the wrong problem. Yeah. Like, the refugee program, to me, seems like the best of what yeah. we have going on in terms of our immigration system. Yeah, they vet them so carefully. Yeah. So do you not think that this temporary ban is about terrorism and security? No, you don't. I don't. I think that's what he's trying to sell it as. I just don't get how it helps that that issue. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think let's get into Donald Trump's head a little bit. I'm not sure that's possible. I think he earnestly... Ooh, earnestly is the wrong word. I think he <laughs> represents that that's what this is about. And that's his. That's probably his firmly held belief um, that this is going to help terrorism. He believes that. I don't know who's told him that. I don't know who generated it. Again, it goes back to we don't even know who's, I think Steve Bannon who's doing this. Personally. You know, And it, it almost seems like it was just, this was on our website on, for as our policy when we ran. And so let's um, somehow, you know, Rig it up into an executive order, and, and I'll sign it. You know, it has Thursday at twelve. And I think there are people around the country who genuinely think, if this saves us from another Orlando or San Bernardino, fine. We've got to do whatever we have to do. I think there are people who believe that, but that's why we have a representative democracy instead of a direct one, right? Because we need people to say, "I hear you, but wait a second. Mm-hmm. Our troops overseas are endangered by this type of action. Mm-hmm. We can't get the intelligence that we need to keep another one of those things from happening because of this type of action. Like, we've got to have that dialogue with the public instead of just going, oh, sounds good, extreme vetting, let's do it. Yeah. Well, and I read a really good thing this weekend that was like, I'm done trying to figure out what's going through Donald Trump said. I don't care anymore. It's not, Donald, like, focusing all our on all our sort of thought pieces and long reads on what's going on with Donald Trump and what's he thinking and what's he wanting. Like, I don't care. Like, like, how does this impact people? And this is not, there is no better scenario in which to exercise this. What is the real world impact of what he does? I don't care why he does it anymore. Like, I don't, I'm just, I'm done. You know, like I, people are suffering, people are hurting. This is not a, you know, there's no, there's, we don't need to take him literally or seriously or anything. We have it right here. He signed it. This is how it affected people. Let's have a conversation about this. And if we want to have a, use that to have a conversation about, okay, well, what can we really agree with is the problem with our immigration system and what would be real solutions? I think that's great. But, you know, this was all a really fun reality show, but, like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, it's not a reality show. It's real life. It's also very much not all just about Donald Trump. Donald mm-hmm. Trump didn't write any of these executive orders. No. There are people around him facilitating, enabling, pulling strings. He doesn't even know half of what he's talking about with some of this stuff. Right? Like you pointed out with the um, the gag rule. Yeah. He doesn't care about that. That's no. not in his lexicon. It's just people, you know, so who is who is really empowered here and when are we going to see some pushback to those people from the leadership of the Republican Party, which I genuinely think is at odds 
with much of this, at least in terms of the way it's being done. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Well, we could talk about this for a while and beat this subject to death. We don't want to do that. Um, I think that Donald Trump and his administration will give us lots to talk about uh, as far as the impact on real people about his policies and increasing executive orders. 
But what we wanted to talk about really fast as sort of a last uplifting heels unrelated situation is the home we are currently gathered. The table we are currently gathered around in the home we are in, um, Annie's home, has sort of, a, not sort of, an amazing, uh, miraculous tale to tell. I guess it's a Christmas tale. You got to come back at Christmas. We did, yeah. So tell, tell us about the home that nobody can see, but trust us, it's beautiful. Um, so my son, Colin, is seven and has a rare genetic condition called Wiedemann-Steiner syndrome. We're coming up on Rare Disease Month, so um, get informed about that. But in the fall, we talked to a... A local organization about helping us make the bathroom more accessible for Colin. He uses a wheelchair and um, it's just that's something that's very difficult to maneuver with him now that he's 50 pounds. Because he usually keeps getting bigger. Yes and also he's a big boy and he doesn't want to take a bath anymore mm-hmm. you know. So um, they said they were wanted to do all of the tile work for us for the whole bathroom and I just thought oh my gosh that's so generous and amazing. So they came back again to talk about the details and said, actually, we would like to do the whole bathroom for you. And I was completely blown away. And so I thought, well, we could maybe make our kitchen more accessible since we'll save that money. So they came back to talk to us about the plans and uh, a a local designer and and a local contractor had contacted them and wanted to do a holiday makeover um, for some family that this organization was working with. It's a foundation called the Molly Johnson Foundation, and they work specifically with families who have kids with disabilities. So they asked if we would be willing to move out of our house um, so that they could do a complete makeover. So on Halloween, we moved out, and um, I was telling these guys earlier that on the day that I found out that um, Trump had been elected, it was it was a difficult day for me emotionally, and I am much more conservative than Sarah, um, <laughs> but it was still very hard for me um, because of the things that it seemed to mean. But what I thought about that day was that I knew that there were dozens and dozens of people just that day over here at our house giving freely of their time and resources. They had never met us. They didn't know anything about Colin or what our days are like with Colin. And it didn't matter, you know, it didn't matter to them. And so on December 22nd, we um, moved back in and it has just been kind of like living in a dream ever since then. And all all told there were um, hundreds of people who volunteered time, brought food for the volunteers, and, you know, receiving something that big is uh, a game changer for you as an individual um, because it's very humbling, and it also, you can't help but think differently about the people you walk by Mm. in the store or at at a restaurant or whatever. Um, We've been at multiple events since then for that foundation where I have had people come up to us and just hug us and tell us how what big fans they are of us and we don't know them and I know nothing about their 
political background. I don't know who they voted for. And so thinking about and knowing that those are the people that we're living amongst has just been my comfort during this whole time that we're, we're going to be okay because um, those are the people who, who make up the communities we live in. Well, I do want to say like home makeover doesn't, you guys can't see it, but it's, it's the level of makeover where, you know, like you like a look on a blog or you're looking at photos and the home is so different. You can't orient yourself because the walls aren't there. It's like that level of makeover. They added a bathroom. Mm-hmm. They added a whole great room. Like it's unbelievable. And she was like texting me the pictures and I was like, what? But that's, and it's so beautiful. It's such a, it's, it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful, and the most amazing thing is that there is nowhere in our house now that Colin can't go. Mm-hmm. He can go in his wheelchair. He can walk in his gait trainer. And even though we had bought a single-story house with an attached garage, you know, everything that you think you need for an accessible home, over half of our house was not usable to him because his wheelchair couldn't fit through doorways, or we would have to park him in the hallway. and pick him up and carry him in a room and um, you know we're both having health problems you know shoulder and back issues because of that so um, you know on, on top of the fact that it is fully accessible for our whole family it's just the the health ramifications the time and energy that they gifted us mm-hmm. you know that we now get to spend together as a family and, and with our son you know, being quote normal Mm. Well, they even did the, like, did you see the rug? The rugs are, like, are they vinyl? They're vinyl So rugs. the wheelchair goes right over them. They're not, like, they don't mm. get caught or anything. Like, you don't even notice that in pictures when I came in. I was like, oh, my God, they thought of the rugs. That's so great. Yeah. And it's so neat because it's all gorgeous. Like, you don't mm-hmm. look at it and think, oh, this house was built to be accessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just looks like It doesn't a look retrofitted. Home. Right. It doesn't look retrofit. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like they came in and made it work. They made it. They created a beautiful space around this purpose, and it just is it's so great. And I have to say that means a lot to me as uh, a parent of a kid with significant medical and developmental disabilities because there's this kind of assumption that you should just be okay with things however they look. If you mm. can get it functioning, then you shouldn't care if it's ugly or looks like it's from like a hospital kind of or exactly yeah whatever you have to do and that's true whatever you have to do is what you do but gosh wouldn't it be nice if it wasn't that way and now our home embodies that what do you want people to know about rare diseases for coming up rare disease month well i think that it's really tempting to think um what's the point of being educated on rare diseases because it affects such a small number of people. But the truth is that the more awareness is raised about rare diseases in general, the more funding um, can be funneled towards research in those areas. And, and what you find out is that, um, you know, I found out about Colin's diagnosis when he was five. So we'd already lived five years in isolation, feeling like there was no one like us. Um, and then in the years since we have found out, the kind of community that has built online among parents mm-hmm. who are finding the diagnosis, like I can't imagine some of these parents are able to come to our group and say, I got our diagnosis yesterday. What can you tell me? At the time that I found out, we only knew of a dozen in the world, and it was in literature that 
you know you couldn't really access so the the community and the support that you feel as a parent just uh, it changes the whole experience um, because it's so so isolating to parent a child who is not like anyone else's child but the other thing is that with the the new um, advances in genetic testing that you can learn the things you learn about this incredibly rare disease um, can actually lend themselves to treatment in a fairly quick fashion now that's mm. not going to happen for all of course but i i know personally um, two different kids who when they got their rare disease diagnosis it turned things around for them. They were able to isolate that particular enzyme that was causing the chain reaction. Or, oh, wow. um, and there was a medication that could alleviate some of their most um, difficult symptoms. So it's just that being rare doesn't mean that you're less valued or that you're not part of a community. And so I think that that is why Rare Disease Day is important to me as a parent of a child with a rare disease that I'm not alone and he's not alone and we don't have to do this alone uh, in terms of getting the information that we need and the treatment that we need for better quality of life for him and for us you know as his parents I think that is a beautiful note to end on. Thank mm. you for sharing that with us, Annie. We really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Nicholas, for being here as well. And we'll be back with you on Friday. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Tune back in on Friday for a special episode of The Briefcase featuring Dr. Tamara Twill, who is sharing how living in Ohio transformed her involuntary miscarriage into a voluntary abortion. People like me and my case were sacrifices they were willing to make. Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our Chief Creative Officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsuit Politics possible. And to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics, or Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsuit Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at or beth at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.